welcome to Two Minutes About Time, the podcast that takes a look at the Richard Curtis film About Time, two minutes at a time. I'm your host, one of your hosts, Luke Allen. I'm joined, as always, with Robert E.G. Black, my co-host. Hello, hello. And with James Anderson. Hi. Uh, and we're here to talk about About Time, minutes 18 and 19. Wherein, well, I won't say wherein, we'll discuss that as we go, uh, we will eventually sound professional, maybe. Um, hopefully, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's the charm. It's all, it's all an intentional charm to make you feel at home with us. It's that DIY aesthetic. Yep. Mm. Takes a lot of scripting. But, but they, <laughs> but they can trust us that all of our clothing is matching our backgrounds. You know, to to make it feel at home. <laughs> That's a callback that James probably doesn't completely get. Here. Nope, but right. I'll laugh along like I do. <laughs> <laughs> I I want this podcast to be completely inaccessible from future minutes. Like, <laughs> like I, I want it to basically be reliable, relying on only inside jokes. Yeah, that's how you know you've done a successful podcast. Indeed. <laughs> that's the way. That's what all the advertisers are after. Complete inaccessibility. <laughs> But we can promise that our three listeners are very loyal. <laughs> I know that because two of them are my parents. <laughs> <laughs> now nah, I'm joking, they're not listening to this show. My mum's literally said, she was like, that oh, sounds good, but I'm not listening to any of that. <laughs> I, like, I, I like honesty, that's good. Yeah, it's fair enough. She has to sit with me at home basically every day saying everything about about time anyway. <laughs> um, like, she'll come home from work and I'll be like, Hey, I found out that Richard Curtis said this and that. Right. For example, the other day I was really excited uh, having heard an interview with Richard Curtis where he said when he gets stuck writing, he just makes the characters say what the film's about. <laughs> like Notting Hill, the most iconic scene in Not- Notting Hill, where it's just, I'm from Notting Hill, you're from Hollywood, you know, everyone knows your name, my mother has trouble remembering mine, and then she says the... I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy asking her. Like he's, they're just saying what the film's right. about, and yeah. people go, "Wow, that's brilliant!" And he said, "That's all that. That's all he's doing." I love that. So, yeah. So I, I'm going to write that down as an idea. I like the I'm idea writing. of a movie entirely comprised of just restating the the film's premise over and over, but in ways that move along the plot. <laughs> can, can I make like a? nice spoof of Richard Curtis films. Like, is there a way of making a spoof that shows, like, adoration? Oh, I think all spoofs do. do. I think that that it's... I I think it's... Maybe this is... Maybe I'm wrong. But I think most parodies are tributes. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Then I might end up writing a Richard Curtis rom-com. Do it. Do it. That's the title. I mean, the the lead (laughs) character's got to be called Hugh. Because of the number of films that Hugh Grant's done, um, and have have the characters be like, "I'm just an actor standing in front of a camera, restating <laughs> the purpose of the film." <laughs> Heck, yeah, I'm doing this at home tomorrow. I'll just film it and I'll play everyone. Hold up, the girl's got to be called Bernadette. Oh, I, I know what I'm doing this lockdown. Right. Awesome. It's full of hope and joy and excitement. Right. That's the opening line. (laughs) (laughs) It's a movie about someone making a Richard Curtis parody. And they find love. (laughs) (laughs) 
So it's like it's like Richard Curtis rom com meets adaptation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, about time. Well, we are talk about it a bit, but let's <laughs> let's go into the minute because uh, I'm probably going to be here for an eternity. So, um, we we open with Tim saying thanks and walking away from Uncle Desmond, hmm. who. I'm trying to focus on Uncle Desmond's expressions, and I can't quite tell what he's what he's thinking at this point. Like he bows his head in sorrow. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite weird. Um, and I love what the dad says to him. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't call too often. Your mother doesn't like to be disturbed. Like it's just. I wish I could harness that level of dry humor because I feel like if yeah, I said yeah. that, it would just be mean, and I want so badly. Should be that kind of, yeah. Also, does Bill Nye... Is there something up with his fingers? Or, like, does he always just flick off the camera all the time in just sort of, like, a defiant way? Because I like it both ways. He's... I can't remember what it's called. He's got, like, a disorder. Okay. Hang on. I I, I literally, right, I learned about this in science in school once. They were like, here's a disorder, and here's a picture of Bill Nye with this disorder. He has, I think it's called Dupetrin's contracture, a condition which causes some of his fingers to bend towards the palm. Interesting. Uh, which okay. can make shaking hands with fans extremely difficult, apparently. Huh. Yeah, so that's... I, I always thought it was a, it was a char- like, I, I know him, I, I've seen Love Actually probably more than, than any other Richard Curtis movie, and his character in that feels like constantly flicking off the camera... Is sort of like a rock star thing to do, oh, which I've been yeah, fine completely. with. But then I noticed it here. I was like, I mean, I guess it's still a good character <laughs> choice. But like, Love Actually, like Bill Bill Nye has the best line in Love Actually, which possibly only works for us British people. Uh, do you have Anton Deck in America at all? No. Okay. Well, the the two presenters that are on the show in Love Actually, where he's like yeah. doing sort of thing. They're Ant and Deck, and he literally turns to one of them and says, "Yes, Ant or Deck." <laughs> oh, Ant and Deck. A... I think I looked that up this this time this past Christmas when I watched it. I looked that up finally, and I was like, "I bet that's their names." I think I finally did look that up. Yeah, I gotcha. Well, they 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 present like every single show right. in, in Britain, right? But so yeah, they they. I mean, that film's Love Actually is quite old, and they're still like presenting a lot right. of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, that there's me explaining the best gagging love actually that only works for British people. <laughs> I I do I love don't call too often. Your mother doesn't like to be disturbed so much. It's like I love I yeah. love the idea of like get out, just like we <laughs> we we get out of here. Like I love I, I doesn't he say? I think he says later in this minute, like, or maybe he says it in the in the random minute from Friday for Friday's episode. At some point, he's like, you know. Why would I tell someone that I mm, like... That's the random minute. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's generally fond of. Yeah, yeah exactly. Fond of, yeah. Oh, so good. And yet that feels more sweet than directly telling him that he loves Absolutely. Because yeah. it's, it's the stuff that he's not saying. Oh, so good. He's which taking the time is, to say it in a weird way, which is yeah. more interesting. It's a bit. Which I think even comes up later on with the with the wedding when he does his speech and his, there's the whole thing with like, Oh, I forgot to say I loved you. And he was like, it's implied. He said, oh, that's not enough. And then Bill Nye just sort of goes off and goes back in time and does it. 
So I'm noticing when when Tim walks off, Uncle Desmond waves, and there's something weird about his wave that I can't quite put my finger on. Um, so then we've got Kit Kat hugging the car. <laughs> and she she looks like... like The brilliant thing about Kit Kat is she is genuinely upset and angry, but she's deliberately exaggerating it. Yeah. And you can you can really tell that. Huh. Who's is it is his mum in the car, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, she's mum and I was just trying to figure out because I've all I hadn't really noticed that before and I'd always wondered where the mum was at this point. So that makes sense. This is um, a family that presents their emotions through bits and gags. Yeah. And isn't that a heck of a family? Yeah. <laughs> huh. And so this bit where he waves and then, um, well, he puts his hand. He up. waves off with two. Yeah. He, <laughs> so when Dad waves off with two fingers as they leave, <laughs> and then Kit Kat gives him the finger. Yeah. Yeah. And then Dad turns around, and smiles. I'd remembered him giving Tim the finger as well. <laughs> like I'd remembered him looking at it and then copying her. No, but yeah. he's definitely amused by her, though. Yeah. Can I? And I think that's great. Can we take a second to talk for just a moment about the one finger versus two finger thing? Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Because she does one finger, yeah. doesn't she? Is yeah. th- that's an and American I, I, thing, I, right? I found that weird. Okay. Yeah, I found that weird. Okay. It is normally two fingers, but I think I think one finger has become more common as American media is. Gotcha, present. gotcha. Okay. Maybe she did one also because he put up two fingers because he's doing a, like... Yeah, I think it makes the gag clearer. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, we just think her hands backward. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's an odd thing, and it's one thing I've always found funny about Buffy. Yeah, and like watching American shows where you've got British characters and they're saying words which you wouldn't be able right. to say pre-Watershed uh-huh. on British TV, but middle like the two fingers and saying words like yeah. and things like that. Like you can say that on American TV right. and it's fine. Right. Like. On us, you had to. It has to be like after nine o'clock. The shot of Spike putting two fingers up was in the opening credits. Yep, yeah, I was going to say. Absolutely yeah. was. <laughs> actually, that's the point to talk about. James Masters' incredible British accent. Mm-hmm. Like that's right. Wow. <laughs> I yeah, when I saw him, he's not. <laughs> when yeah, I saw I him on him Caprica, I thought he was doing an American accent. <laughs> when I saw him in Torchwood, I thought he was doing an American accent. Yeah. <laughs> he's great in Torchwood, by the way. <laughs> Like, Do I, I, have to, am I gonna have to watch Torchwood? I I've been putting it off for years. Is it is it really good? When it's um, good, it's really good. When it's re- good, yeah. But it's series often three ridiculous. Okay, it's incredible. Series one has some great stuff, but also it's like, hey, we're Doctor Who, but we can do right. sex and language and violence. But there's some really solid episodes in series one. Um, series two is constantly okay. Okay. Series three is gold. Okay. And series four is let's go American, and yeah. I don't like it. Right. Okay. All right. But then I'm then I'm not really a fan of the American action series stuff anyway, so I don't know whether that had much of an appeal to American audiences or not. Right. But for me, a show that is famously Welsh going American and grand is right. Not right. Right. Because I like how Welsh feels like. Wales is quite small. It feels quite sort of small scale, right? And that's what I like about it. So when it when it goes grand, it just doesn't work. That makes sense, that uh, makes sense. for me. But then I Wales just has comfort for me, even though I'm not in Wales. I'm not too far from Wales, and um, there's a TV show called Gavin and Stacey, which mm. is set in England and in Wales, and 
for us British people, like most British people, just find that show a comfort. I feel like I know Gavin and Stacey. Do I? Uh, James Corden. Right. Okay, there like, it is. <laughs> he he wrote and starred in it before he went cheesy in American. Right. I I'm not a fan of American James Corden, but. Like, <laughs> if James Corden wants to come on the show, <laughs> yes, Burning Bridges. He's he's been really good. He's been in a couple of Richard Curtis things. Um, his turn on on Doctor Who is my favorite thing that he's ever done. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's great. And what do you think about Richard Curtis's episode of Doctor Who? Which one did he do? Vincent and the Doctor. What is it? Uh, Vincent and the Doctor. Oh, I mean, classic. 100% classic. one of the best. I'm crying. I mean, (laughs) if you had had me guess, I would have guessed the the Vincent Van Gogh one, because it's wonderful. I I loved the fact that it was my favorite Doctor Who episode. Then I became a fan of Richard Curtis. Then I was like, hang on, he wrote Doctor Who. And it was like, of course course. he wrote my favorite episode. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Classic. It's just beautiful. And Bill Nye is in it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Huh. Oh, the the ending of Vincent and the Doctor brings me to tears so much. Like yeah. it, it, oh, yeah. it's possibly the best portrayal of depression that I've seen in yes. film. Mm-hmm. Like the invisible monster attacking him. Like, wow, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <sighs> I want him to write more Doctor Who, but you know, he's kind of busy with comic relief, admittedly, <laughs> which is considerably more important. And being um, on this show. Yeah. Yes. Which will happen, Richard. Or which, which already happen. happened. He was on yeah. Minute One. <laughs> he was on Minute One, yeah. Sorry, I need to keep up with the gag. <laughs> I think if I cut out us first coming up with the gag, it will be so weird <laughs> and Richard listen. <laughs> we just always claim he was on the show. <laughs> He's like, was I? <laughs> It's like the it's like the gas leak here in community. It's just yeah. something happened. <laughs> right, about time. Right. About. Uh, so then, yes, yeah, so we've got them waving Tim off. Uh, we've got the lovely shot of the train. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess she drove him to the train station. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's a lovely shot of that train there. And then the London train station. Uh, well, the yeah, that is the train station rather than the tube station. Um, I, I like all this stuff because I've been to London a good few times via the trains, and it's it's nice. Apparently, it's um, Paddington. So Tim says something uh, that I really liked. Uh, he says he he went off to London in search of a future and a girlfriend. Yeah, and I really I was like, yeah, I remember that. Like that <laughs> that I remember that feeling, like the world opening up before you, and it's like I need to explore this new world. Also. Would, would love like a significant other that'd be great if i could pick yeah. one of those up on the way that'd be great yeah I, I like that he the future and girlfriend are separate too in the sentence yeah like his girlfriend's future doesn't part of the future have... it's, a, it's, oh, it's his own area. thing Sorry. with as much importance yeah so I, so actually i'll read that line out the full paragraph out i caught the train to london in search of a future and a girlfriend I was staying in St. John's Wood near Abbey Road with a playwright friend of my dad's called Harry. It's always nice to have family connections when you're the new kid in town. Mm. And we get a brief shot of Abbey Road Studios, Mm -hmm. which is the only shot of Abbey Road from the two days they spent filming there. (laughs) Which we'll see later on. There's a deleted scene in Abbey Road and it's brilliant. But yeah. (laughs) Also, he took a weird route from the station. (laughs) 
I just want to say. <laughs> Did he? Oh, yeah. I haven't looked at the... Abbey Road is not in between Paddington and uh, Bronsbury, which is where Harry's is. <laughs> I feel like... I feel like as a Brit, I should, like, be saying these things instead of you, but I didn't. Nah, <laughs> I that's the stuff these. I obsess about, is weird geography. I'm like, ooh, I have so, an address. I have to look that up. <laughs> interestingly, Tom Hollander, who we see in a moment as Harry, yeah. they were filming the scene at, at Mary's flat, which happened to be, like, right next to where Tom Hollander lived. And he apparently was like, what's making all that noise? What film's going to ruin my town, my area, and make everyone want to stay here? And then he went down, and he was like, oh, this is what I'm involved with. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently he really liked all the Cornwall stuff and would just turn up on several days just to watch it all and hang around on the beach. Nice. Um, yeah, I'm hearing a lot of people saying how good Tom Hollander is in this film. I didn't like him at first, but now he's one of my favourite characters. It's a, It's a strong... It's like how having like a like a a strong opinion can often make for good comedy. Like a strong, even if it's wrong or wild opinion. Like yeah. I I hate things that are the color gray or whatever. <laughs> just like coming down strong makes for good comedy because it's just like whoa, okay, wow, this guy's just going full full force. I guess just like <laughs> just opening the door and saying what the fuck do you want is like, oh, uh, yep. Okay, so this is this guy, I guess. Maybe he'll ease off the, the, the accelerator. Oh, oh no, 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 he's not. <laughs> One thing I love is how Tim's carrying, he's got the backpack and the wheelie, and he's got just a carrier bag, and that feels so normal and real. Like, I've walked around London with, like, suitcases and a carrier bag. Yeah. And now I'm just intrigued to figure out what could be in that carrier bag. His lunch for the day, something he'd picked up. You know, a book for the train. It could be so many things. Would would he be... Is it possible that he's done some sightseeing? Well, he went to Abbey Road, so yeah. So, like, I it's funny. Talking about the geography, I we recently recorded an episode of, of Crossroads Minute, um, my podcast about the 2002 Britney Spears vehicle Crossroads, where I was like, they're going the wrong way on Rodeo Boulevard, or Rodeo Drive, rather, um, to go anywhere for this plot to make sense. And then my co-host Aaron was like, oh, well, they've probably done some sightseeing. I was like, oh, yep, there it is. We didn't show them doing it, but that that's definitely what they went and did. So maybe he left the station, did a bunch of stuff, and happened to be walking a weird way home having done that sightseeing. Maybe he has souvenirs in that carrier bag. Come to think of it, Abbey Road is about 20 minutes walk away from the Beatles store. Um, it could be. When I went, I only got a couple of things, so I had a paper bag, but it could be a blue carrier bag. The Beatles store is right opposite a general rock music store. Yeah. And Beatles store is literally a couple of buildings next to 221B Baker Street. Oh, yeah. So there's there's a lot of things in that area. I was under massive time pressure when I was in London to catch a train, so I did the Beatles store, but I still haven't done Abbey Road, which is annoying. Uh, but... He got a Beatles branded Deerstalker cap, and <laughs> annoyingly as well, two two one B was closed. But apparently, normally behind the two two one B door, there is now a Sherlock Holmes museum. Oh yeah, I would... and it was it was closed for the two days that I was there. He said we're closed on these two days. Reopen. It's like ah. <laughs> it's, it's weird how much I loved having those two days off school, and now I've got too much time off school, right. and I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> 
after we go straight on to minute 19, after that wonderful line which James told us, um, <laughs> is the first and only time that we find out what the dad's name is. Yeah. Where he says, I'm James's son. And Bill Nye has claimed that this was the this was the only time that he has technically, excluding this line, broken his rule of of um, not playing characters that don't have a name. Apparently, I can't remember who it was. There was like another actor they had. They wanted him for weddings, and they wanted him to play like crazy old man. And they said like if you'd called him like Mister Basingstoke, right? Then he would have agreed to the part (laughs) because it was crazy old man. He didn't, and it's like that's quite interesting. Just name name the character like Cray Oldman, and then you got it. (laughs) Cray Z Oldman. The the Z stands for Zeke, and we got it. So yes, yeah, so we go straight into the next minute. Uh, I'm James's son. Who? James Lake. What about him? He said you had a room. Go in there and wait quietly. I mean it. Don't make a sound, or I'll kill you. <laughs> I, I, his, yeah. I mean, the more I watch this, the more I just love his character. Yeah. Like, because at first, I mean, you're supposed to hate him. You know, that's the point, isn't it? But the more I watch it, yeah, the more just fascinating he is. Like, I love later on when he's. Uh, I think my one of my favourite moments is at the uh, at, like the christening party when he's got the little teddy bear, and he and he turns up in like the sunglasses holding the tiny teddy bear, yeah. and that is just that is one of my favourite images. I think it might be on the back of the DVD case. I'm going to check that right now because the start of my DVD shelf is next to me, so I can reach A. While you it check is not that, on the back of mine. <laughs> I'm wondering, is this the only time they say their last name as well? I'm not sure. I've wondered. I was thinking that, but I'm not certain. I think we'll have to keep track of that. And yes, it is a picture of him with a little bear. And on on the back, you've also got the picture of the big bear as well. I, that is so funny. My DVD, the back of my DVD has a small picture of Rachel McAdams. And then below that, Tim and his dad. Then Tim and Rachel McAdams, like sort of head to head. And then next to those three little ones is them on their wedding day, and that's it. In fact, random question on the front. Yeah. The words about time are they in capital letters? You know they are. They're all in capital letters. Yep. So what I've noticed is the American versions have about time in capital letters, and we have every letter in lowercase except the T on ours. I have a I have a thought about that. But first, okay. I have a question about. Hold on, is you do they in England? Is the movie called Four Weddings? No, it's, it's called Four Weddings and a Few. Okay, okay. <laughs> I was just about to. I was like, why would they make that decision? Okay, so my thought, I wrote it down. It's just we all know it so well right, that right, we right, can right, abbreviate right. it. <laughs> right. Um, that makes sense. I just, I was like, huh. Anyways, um. So I had a thought, and I wrote it down when I was watching the random minute, but it, it's applicable anytime we see Tim. So do you think they call them Tim because it's 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 basically time? Have you already talked about this? We haven't talked about it, although I have that typo in my notes a lot. Yeah, I typed the word after time. I made it about the 50th time, I was like, is that why his name is Tim? <laughs> what, one of the original titles for the script was Tim and Time. Yep, okay. so that make, yep there it is. Um, Incidentally, just looking at your DVD then, the bonus features you get on the DVD yeah. are only available on our Blu-ray. Oh, interesting. Huh. Like I, I had to buy the Blu-ray to get those bonus features. 
And I think the description is different as well. I can't see all of yours online, but you seem to have more written than we do on ours. And of course, About Time for You is rated R, and it's rated 12 for us. Is 12 basically PG-13, but a year less? Uh, Yeah, basically. Well, it's we have 12A in the cinema, which is PG-13, basically. And then 12 is just you have to be 12 to buy it or watch it at home. <laughs> Why? So you, so you could watch you could watch something aged like five in the cinema if you were the parent, but you have to be 12 to like buy it on DVD. Um, what? Just, That's interesting. What is the... Oh, man. Okay, this is maybe a, a longer discussion than we have time for. We're trying to <laughs> not be a 53-minute podcast, feel, but... F- feel free. Age ratings is my fascination. I've got it is. He's had this. He's talked about this on two other podcasts with me. <laughs> I've I I did an episode of my old podcast where I spoke to the chief executive of the British Board of Film Classification, and it was the like the most fun hour of my life. I swear, it was awesome. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. I I have I have like like seven more questions. So I, let's let's move on. <laughs> feel feel free to ask them, and I'll put these into. I, I, genuinely, I, I want to know what your questions are. I just, I, I, it, I think it has to do with like values. What is called? Like, I'm trying to figure out why, why, why R versus twelve year olds can go ahead and see this, and I just, um, it's to do with the with the with your American stuff. Yeah, you have a lot more of a box ticking thing. So, how many uses of the F word passes right. it from PG thirteen to R? Right. Whereas we look at the context. Right. And so hey, that's smart. often we can have films which have more yeah. Well we got context on the first use. As long as it's not a verb, <laughs> yeah. it's okay. Right. Yeah. On 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 uh, Crossroads Minute we, we said one time because it doesn't appear in the movie, but we everyone gets one. That's what we that's what we uh that's that's how I remember it. Actually I learned that from the Veronica Mars movie. Do you know um I know of it. They they talked about it in some it was a it was a Kickstarter, so it may be in a, a Kickstarter like update or whatever. They gave Kristen Bell the one F word um, that she got to use uh, cursing at her actual husband when he made a cameo in the movie. And I think that's really fun. <laughs> There's the, the classic example of like of like American versus like European or UK sort of sensibilities is like sex versus violence. But like language is a very interesting thing. Um, yeah, language is the one which I find sort of most interesting. Yeah. But incidentally, one of the most exciting things for me was that I spent £53, I think, on getting my short film age-rated. Because one of the main prizes for that competition I enter at the House of Commons every year is you got it age-rated. And I was like, three years in a row of not getting it, I'm like, I'm just going to buy an age-rating. Right. So so now like I can show it in cinemas and like legally use this age-rating. I'll send you a picture in the chat again. I've got it framed on my wall because it's very exciting to me. <laughs> Unstable, rated twelve A for drug references and infrequent strong language. Love it. And the yes. the whole like system fascinated me, like being able to like get all the info that like everyone gets as a distributor, and like if you go on their website and look at the list of their releases, my films just there among their stuff. Yeah. So you can go on their website and you can see stuff like you know the major films and the directors and cast there. But then you go through and it's like unstable director Luke Allen. It's like I'm a real director. <laughs> it's, a, it's very exciting. My 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 last question for now mm-hmm. about age ratings. When did the twelve twelve A uh get introduced? Because I hear a lot of talk about people being like PG thirteen like ruined 
things for people um, with the introduction. Identity, I believe. Was that? I believe Born Identity was the first. 12. Oh, wow. 12A came slightly later. I'm going to double check this, but I'm pretty certain. And it, if I'm right, I'm very proud of myself. I think it was Temple of Doom that was the first PG-13 movie. Yeah, you you had it first, I think. Yeah. Um, oh, never mind. First film uh, with the 12 rating was Batman. Ah. Uh, first 12A might be Born Identity. Huh. Born Identity was first 12A, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Which is weird, because I searched first 12A rated film UK... And it comes up, for the record, the first official 12A rated film was The Bourne Identity. And then on like, the Read More thing, it says, Spider-Man, British Water Film Classification. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to read that later. I think it's because a lot of people believed it was Spider-Man right. and they corrected it. But I just find that funny. Um, <laughs> awesome. Anyway, that was, that was Luke's Age Rating Corner, which will now become a <laughs> weekly segment against Robert's will. <laughs> What's that? Robert has dropped off the call for good. That's interesting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this will be. This will be it, it will definitely come up again, and I would <laughs> love to host a podcast about age ratings. It's a very weird obsession of mine. Although I know I'm not the only one. I found a few other people like me on the internet. Oh yeah, I mean, one other. A, I think it's definitely a, an interesting topic because it speaks to a bunch of different issues and values and stuff. But for anyone who's interested in age ratings at all in the British system, tune into my other podcast. Please be seated and listen to the episode on the Hunger Games whereby we break down the Hunger Games with the head or the chief executive of the BBFC and just talk about why it got what it got and other issues and how the BBFC faced them. Hmm. Please be seated. It is normally film review, but due to his job, he's not legally allowed to give his opinion on the films. So we had to kind of twist the rules right. of the show a little bit. Huh. Cool. Awesome. <clears throat> about time. That's what this show's about. <laughs> I think you should call this show actually about time. um so yeah so we'll go straight in so we've had the don't make a sound or i'll kill you right and we have him sort of i I like the inside of his house because we don't see it that much but once again i think you can tell with these that they just used real houses rather than building sets right and you know he's got posters of the shows he's written. Yep. Um, which I guess shows that he's, you know, of reasonable success. Like, Or at least thinks he is. On, well, at least on some of the posters, like, his name's pretty big. Sure. Um, possibly something. One looks like it might say National Theatre, because it's NT, so that's pretty big. I think this says an awful lot about his character here, uh, where he says, I was actually having the first good idea I've had for a decade when you rang on the doorbell. Yeah. But now it's gone. You little shit. I don't buy it. <laughs> I don't buy it for one second. I think he has writer's no. block and is looking for excuses to blame not having any ideas. Yeah. In fact, it's not on the transcript, but he does scream, doesn't yep. he? Like, while Tim's sat yeah. there. I, 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 I watched this and I was like, nope. Nope. It's not like... It, it, how convenient that he was just having the yeah. first one. <laughs> if, he, if Tim hadn't rang the bell, it would have been another, you know, another cycle of, no, that's nothing. But because Tim rang the bell, he can blame him, and that's and yeah, that's no good. But but once again, if we look at this as Tim telling the story, yeah, maybe something of a smaller scale to this happened. But this is how like it came across in Tim's mind, right? Yeah. Oh, Tim, Tim viewing it as, and then I showed up at his door, and it just so happened. Oh man, ruined his life. Oof. Yeah, 
Yeah, wow, that's really good. Where, where maybe maybe actually he was just, you know, a bit brassed off that he'd right. disturbed him writing. Right. And Tim had sort of changed his perception. Of I love people. an unreliable narrator so much. It's one of my favorite things. Yeah. Even for British slang, the next line's weird. <laughs> because the terms cock and hen and words like that which and chick, which are used in British slang are usually for people of very different area and classes to him. So when he refers, when he says, how's your dad? Weird cock, I always thought. That just doesn't come across right at all. Right. <laughs> and I don't know if that's supposed to be like a gag in itself. Because <laughs> every time he says that line, I'm just like, that doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> they were very close friends. Yeah, because part of us does. So I think everyone partially thinks, "Is he yeah. <laughs> talking?" <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> yeah, but then when he does follow up with something weird about him, we know he's talking about the dad. Yeah, uh, rather than other things. Really, he's responsible. So he's you know this this almost shows that how high Tim looks up to his dad that the idea that someone's finding something weird about him genuinely surprises yeah him. yeah and then we've got uh yeah ne- never really liked him actually <laughs> your mum still looked like andy warhol <laughs> i tried to is there I, I had to go back and listen to that again because i was like what did he just say <laughs> is that a Apparently. a joke about something that we've already seen in the movie because i tried to look up like pictures of her from the movie what is that ref- like <laughs> is it a bad haircut is that just a bad haircut, ref? I don't really know. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at pictures of Andy Warhol. Yeah. And I've seen pictures of him ages ago, but when he still delivered that line, I thought there was a likeness. But now I'm looking at it, there's nothing at all. Like, you have to have, like, really <laughs> close, weirdly cropped bangs or, like, hair, too, much, too much hair in your face. or Like, it's a very specific reference. I can't remember who they said. Originally, the line was someone else, apparently, and they changed it to Andy Warhol because oh. they thought it was funnier. Uh, but Lindsay Duncan didn't know that they changed the line. I think they. I think Richard Curtis did something like he didn't want it to affect her performance. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's such an odd. Like, because yes, Andy Warhol is also quite well known, but not well known enough for people to automatically know what he looks like. Was it like was it Farrah Fawcett or something? What was the? Do you know the, who the original? I don't know. I can check, like, right now. Hold on. It used to be Churchill. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. (laughs) Wow. Okay, that's that's way different. (laughs) Yeah. So it's not about the hair, it's about the face. Interesting. I guess it is, yeah. That's basically, is your mom still... Does your mom still look like a bulldog? Like, hold on. I need to look up Andy Warhol's face. <laughs> he doesn't... He wasn't... Un- he's fine. Well, if you look at the picture huh. of him when he's older, he does... He's got a sort of... Um, yeah, I mean... He looks... I mean, it's not an impossible comparison. I mean, I would say that, that Andy Warhol looks like a woman more than... It's it's such a weird 
Is it? Did they? Did they nerf the um the insult? Is that what's going on? Is that they were like, that's too harsh or something? They didn't really say on the commentary. Anyway. Oh, she. Oh, Lindsay oh, Duncan is the. Oh, I can sort of see it. If you put some like, glass, I can sort of see it. Richard Curtis just says, "I dare tell." I didn't tell Lindsay when we changed the line in case she thought it interfered with the integrity of her performance. <laughs> and that's all they say on it, really. But yeah, that was that was good, because I wasn't completely listening to the commentary when I normally do the check that I normally do, so I'm glad I could go back and check that. Yeah. And I've never I've never been so glad to have my Blu-ray player right next to my <laughs> laptop before. That's so funny. On, on our show, we, we're often be like, uh, my, my go-to is like, that doesn't make any sense. I bet it used to be something else. Yeah. And that's so weird that, wow, what a change. But I guess her her fashion icon being the queen and then saying, does she still look like Winston Churchill? Right. Like, it's not a, like, I guess it's sort of upper class Brit joke. But Andy Warhol, like, doesn't even make sense, right. really. And maybe that's what makes it funnier. It, it's almost like he's trying to be... He's, like, being over the top. Like, what's the meanest thing I can say? And, I mean, I think Warhol is is less mean than Churchill. But it's like, I'm trying to be... No offense to either of them. I know we can't get them on the show because they're dead. But let's just just make sure we don't... We don't mean anything against any of their relatives either. Sure. (laughs) I think as an insult, as a generalized insult, a Churchill type versus a Warhol type is is more insulting... For, for being as mean as I think Harry is trying to be. Neither of them are how anyone wants their mother to be compared. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. If your mother is Winston Churchill, please email him. Right. Please, yeah, right. definitely. Definitely uh, correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and come be on the um, show. Yeah. Yeah. You're the last person that will, will want to. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, have we got any sort of final comments on this minute before we wrap up Bef- this Wednesday. Before we get away from Harry's introduction, I just want to say I love that he comes across as such a dick right up yeah. front because it makes what I think is his last line in the movie amazing when it's the day of the funeral and all he says is hateful day. Yeah. And it yeah, feels so say that. great from him because you know he knows how to say things when he wants to be. Do we ever see James and Harry together. Because I want to know more about what their friendship is. I don't think we do, no, because when he's back, maybe at the, they're both at the christening, so they're in the scene together. I don't know if they interact. I don't think Bel Nye even has a line in the christening. No. I think I remember hearing that that was like his first scene, and he said nothing. Um, hey, do you, have you guys, so they're supposed to be like college friends. Yeah, but Bill Nye is like eighteen years older than than Tom Holland. Are we to are we to imagine that it's because he's time traveled so much that he he has aged so much further than his college friend Harry? Um, no. Or are we supposed to? Are they supposed no. to be the same age, and we're just supposed to? Was he a, be cool with that? What What was his job? James's job. He's a teacher. So maybe. He was a student. Uh, yeah, he could have known him as as his teacher. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, because I keep thinking about like when we talked about um, Tim 
you know, spending that extra, the two months or not or whatever uh, with uh, with Charlotte in the previous couple minutes. I was like, he's aging like little incremental amounts of times so that he is actually older than he was. Well, internally. Right. Because the end of right, the movie, no, he gets I mean, to be himself like, as a little kid. So they are right. basically jumping oh, right, back right, right, into right. the body that's there. Right. Two, um, I mean, two of my family's like closest friends are ex-teachers of my parents. So like this, you know, that does happen, yeah. doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. You know, that... yeah. So I think that makes sense. That makes sense. But that makes I, sense. That I actually like the fact that... fixes a whole bunch of stuff for me. I like the fact that he's so distracted by whatever he's doing that even though supposedly James had spoken to him and said, you've got a spare room for Tim. Right. And then he turns up and says, I'm James's son. It's still, who? <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what about him? Right. Do, so, I don't want to belabor this point, but is he, he he's just a jerk or he is being mean for a reason? I don't know, because although he's a jerk, I really like I him. I think it's yeah. more he's just a jerk. He's just... He's just very prickly. blunt. Yeah. yeah. But he's he's a very... He's a very friendable jerk. Yeah. yeah the... I don't know how that works, but yeah. he's a jerk you can completely imagine being your jerk right. friend. Right. Rather than being... He's not the jerk you try to avoid. Right. He's yeah. the jerk you, would, you invite to the party because it will make things more fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I say that as if I invite people to parties. <laughs> I tried to invite all of like twenty friends to come and watch the room on my birthday, and I had three turn up. <laughs> like I literally had an entire day of people messaging me with excuses. And let's just say those three people, two of them were not the sort of people to appreciate bad movies. <laughs> yeah. That was. I should have had them watch About Time instead. It was between About Time and The Room, and I thought, <laughs> The Room will be a much more fun viewing experience. And it was just painful. <laughs> Although, it did make me, because I don't think I've been able to talk about this on The Room Minute, it did make me really appreciate the line, if I was a burglar, you'd be my best friend. <laughs> like, I'd never really twigged that line before, and it's just so wonderful. I assume you've done that bit already, haven't you, on... I think no. I think that's the scene with her mother that's still coming. I don't. Can I ask to guest on that minute, please? Oh, well, <laughs> I was going to get you back on that show soon, so uh, we'll see <laughs> when that minute is. Right. So, James. Yes. Where can our listeners find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter at unabashed James, and that's where I post everything about everything that I'm doing. And Robert, where can our listeners find you? lemmingdrops.com for links to my various podcasts including the room minute about the room which we were just talking about or follow me on social media robert eg black our listeners can find me on twitter at llama underscore bottle zero on instagram at the ginger luke everything's at lukealland.co.uk and this podcast is on facebook twitter and instagram at two men's about time thanks so much for listening please tune in on friday ta The Two Minutes About Time theme is performed by Ethan O'Mahony and is a cover of the About Time theme originally composed by Nick Laird Close. Two Minutes About Time is a production of Lemming Drop Studios in association with Bottle O Productions. <laughs> <laughs>